Hello. Welcome to this first in our new series of Human Given's Ask the Expert podcasts. My name's Julia Wellstead and I'm on the Human Given's team. We're running this podcast series as an opportunity for you to hear Human Given's professionals discuss mental health and emotional well-being from the point of view of their particular area of expertise. So we'll be discussing a wide range of topics over the year, ones that we feel should be openly discussed and those which our listeners have ex expressed an interest in. And it's in really an effort to share and spread and promote knowledge about emotional health. So in today's podcast, we're asking our expert why self-care isn't selfish. We'll be discussing the importance of and the connections between self-care, self-esteem, confidence and emotional well-being. And joining us today is Lee Pycroft. Now, Lee's a very highly regarded makeup artist who's painted the faces of many A-list celebrities and has collaborated with several global cosmetic brands. Lee's also trained in the Human Givens approach and I hear has very recently passed her Human Givens diploma. So hello, Lee. It's hello. lovely to meet you. Hi, and thank you so much for being my first HG expert for 2019. Well, and also, quick congratulations, you've just passed part three. Is that right? I have indeed, yes, and no one was more surprised than me. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So you, uh, are you now intending to be a registered practitioner in the Human Givens Approach? Yes, absolutely. So I'm, I'm um, planning to still keep up my connections in the beauty world. Yeah. Because, and I'll explain a bit more about that later, but also definitely, um, you know, I love the human givens approach and how effective and rapid it can be in treating people with mental distress. So, um, yes, yes, definitely. Yes. Oh, fantastic. Well, I'm going to jump the gun a little bit, actually, because one of the questions is how did you come across human givens? But let's just ask that as the first question. How, how did you come across it? Well, I actually heard about it in a forum, in a coaching forum that I had joined. I remember hearing someone talk about human givens and the way she spoke about it, it intrigued me so when I investigated it I just found the whole approach and that it's so practical effective and non-voyeuristic and yes. warm and that really appealed to me so I started sort of digging in and did a couple of courses and then I was you know actually hooked in <laughs> <laughs> brilliant brilliant oh great well look we've received a lot of questions for you from our audience um, so thank you to everyone who's submitted a question. We will try to answer as many as we can. And I've actually kind of amalgamated some that have a similar theme. So if you don't recognize your particular question, the, the, the question is there perhaps in a different form. Uh, so let's get started. Um, first question, Lee, you've spent years making people look beautiful on the outside, but how did that transform into you coming to realize the importance of emotional well-being and self-care or indeed was that always there in your mm. in, in your makeup excuse the pun well I think what's always fascinated me so having worked with a lot of sort of people from a-list celebrities very high profile people to people who are going through significant life challenges in the vulnerable sex of society is how a makeover would really create this sort of emotional reaction in them. Um, and I think that when I've specifically used it in the initiative I run where we take teams of artists into vulnerable sectors and sort of saw the impact a makeover could have, 
I realized that actually there was a, it wasn't so much the makeover, it was how we were impacting their emotional needs while doing the makeover that was increasing their sort of sense of emotional well-being. And so really I sort of coining the phrase in my industry of how um, beauty could be used as a form of self-care. Um, and that was really where I started to think actually there's a lot more to this than the makeup itself. It's the emotional response underneath. And that's why I sort of suddenly really started to um, want to dig deeper. And ironically, at the time when I started the initiative, I'd gone through some significant life challenges of my own. And that almost the initiative that I started in the sort of contribution within those sectors really helped me um, understand what had been going on with myself and about um, how I could help other people. And really it was a healing process in and of itself, which was interesting. Yes. Oh, how fascinating. And can you give me an example when you say you, you took self-care to vulnerable people? Mm. Was that mm. a particular sector of society? Or? Well, actually, this is the interesting thing. When I, when I started it, I really wanted it to be available to many different communities rather than you have charities like Look Good, Feel Better, and they'll, they'll focus exclusively in, with people who are struggling with cancer. But I wanted it to be people, women who are going through domestic abuse. We, we've done um, events for Help for Heroes, for the carers and the war veterans themselves. We've um, created events for people um, to do with this charity called the Good Grief Trust, where there's people who are struggling with bereavement. We've done you know, events for people with multiple cirrhosis. It's a really broad section. Um, and really the events, uh, I understand now, having studied the Human Givens Approach, how within these events we meet so many of people's emotional needs and sense of belonging and need for connection so they understand they're not isolated. Um, but, you know, and it, and it was sort of a very, it's been a very moving and um, warming sort of uh, understanding of what it takes to be, you know, to go through challenges and what human beings go through. Yes, yes, how fascinating. And I think we will... Um, touch on the different needs that are met mm. during that self-care process but you mentioned just there the need to connect which of course is one of one of our emotional needs isn't it yes absolutely yeah and i think that when going through these cha you know, challenges that certainly people who we bought they have bought these events too it's that feeling of isolation that i'm alone that this is only happening to me yes. um uh, you know, and the struggle with that and the loss of control and, and, and safety and, and certainty in their life. Um, so in creating these events where we bring these beauty teams in and give someone a makeover, um, they get to meet lots of other people who are going to a similar situation and would form different friendships and sense of, um, you know, being part of something again. Yes, so they're finding a community within Absolutely. that really, aren't they? Yes, 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 totally. yes, totally. yes. Um, And we'll, we'll come, we'll, 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 trip over some of our other needs as we go down this list of questions yes, there's, there's a few more in there obviously um but you know that's what you've mentioned security and control there already so uh yes the next question on my list here is why is self-esteem and self-care so important to our emotional well-being so that's quite an umbrella question isn't it? <laughs> it's an umbrella question <laughs> yeah yes. well i think you know sort of a healthy self-esteem is going to help people meet their emotional needs and I think that, you know, and when I use the term self-care, I'm using it in a very broad sense. You know, people often think of self-care as sort of, you know, a bit of a pamper, um, you know, but I think it's a much broader sense in understanding what it takes for us to live 
a healthy emotional life. Um, and, you know, when we understand what our emotional needs are, which is obviously the basis of, you know, uh, having, you know, good emotional health. Um, when we understand how self-care is, you know, really go, is, expands over that as well, to a sense of how we can function at our optimum. Um, then I think that gives us a sort of um, clear understanding of how we can meet our emotional well-being in a, in a sort of sustainable and healthy way. Um, but without a sense of solid self-esteem, it can be difficult to do that. And I think if we unpack a little bit about what self-esteem means and what, yes. um, as I said, explained a little bit about self-care, but sort of someone with good self-esteem, I think, you know, has a, a sense of their own value and worth. And that's come through experiences they've had in their life where they perhaps succeeded at them and tested out their own um, skills in the real world. Um, where someone with poor self-esteem um, perhaps has exaggerated and damaging, uh, sort of exaggerated their shortcomings, if you like, and the lack of objectivity. So they perhaps might downplay all their good attributes. Um, so low self-esteem can sort of be quite a strong emotion and this sort of lack of sense of self can be a block to understanding how we can live a sort of fulfilling life and meet our emotional needs really. Um, yes, yes. So I think, absolutely. you know, we, we sort of, you know, you probably remember Julia, you know, some years ago there was sort of um, projects brought into schools where, you know, children were told all the time how valuable they were just for being, you know, there. But it's yes. that sort of without being able to test ourselves in the real world, we can't build up the resilience and the self-esteem and experiences that affirm our place in the world and our and our value. Yes, um, yes. So I think it's you know, and that's how much like that that um, webinar you did on resilience, self-esteem is built in the real world through experience. So I think absolutely so have, yes, um, yes, and also the. The, the difficulty with a, an, inf, an artificially inflated self-esteem, of course, which that, yes. exactly what you said about if you just keep telling kids they're brilliant for no specific reason, it yeah. can inflate the self-esteem and, and actually uh, cause a, a, a huge fear of failure. So yes. it's better, better to do nothing and just keep this little bit of praise going than actually attempt to do something and fail at it. And, yeah, yeah, totally. And I think yeah. you know, when there is a solid sense of self-esteem, there's a much broader objectivity about failing and about the ability to be able to get up and, and not make it all, you know, fall into three Ps, if you like, of making it all permanent, personal and pervasive. Because yes. I think, you know, very low self-esteem, it can, it can sort of be, because it's, it's easy to fall into three Ps and make it all personal and pervasive and, and permanent, it doesn't then allow us to grow in the way that we would when we have a better sense of self. Absolutely. And so when you, there, there's two things in my mind and two questions in front of me that uh, mirror that. So that's good. <laughs> um, it's a, can we, can you differentiate self-esteem from confidence? What's, what, what are the yeah. differences there? So I would say sort of, so self-esteem is this sort of broad sense of self. And I would say confidence it's more in context. You might have someone, and indeed I've known, say, great actors, and they're able to appear in a blockbuster Hollywood film and be confident in that context of that environment and that skill set. But they might then, in other areas of their life, be having very difficult and troubling relationships with people. Um, or you might get somebody who's a great chef and is really confident in that context, but then 
really has a terror of, of public speaking. So I think it's really confidence is about action based things. Um, yes. But I think when you have a, a broad sense, a good sense of your self, self-esteem, it is easier to try different things out and become more confident with them. Um, yes, and, and, take, and take that confidence that you've got in one area of your life yes. into, a, into a new or different area. Yes, and try out again, because obviously when we're building confidence in anything or trying anything out, there's a process to go through. Um, you know, we don't just instantly get there if we're learning something. It's a process of, of going through different experiences in order to get to where we want to go. And it's the going through those different experiences that builds the confidence. Absolutely. Um, and learning that you can fail and get, get back yes. up again. Of course. Yeah, I mean, that's yes. one of the greatest skills we can learn. Yes, yes. And the, the other side of that question that was in my mind was, and is indeed a question someone sent in, can you define self-care then? Because you've already said it's mm. wider than just the pamper session. So what, what else would be included in that self-care? So I, you know, I would think, you know, self-care to me is about having healthy rituals in place. You know, there's a bit of power in a ritual. And I think it's about, you know, what we you know, remembering we're a mind-body system, it's about, you know, exercise, the food we eat, what we feed our mind with, the friends we, we hang out with, the contribution to society, how we stretch and achieve and get that sense of um, how we get a sense of purpose in our life. And it really does, you know, which are all emotional needs. It's about how we can use um, self-care in order to create that environment for ourselves so we can live our most healthy life. So, you know, when I talk about it in my industry, in um, beauty, for example, because a beauty ritual is a ritual women will go through and indeed men to groom themselves every day. Um, and I'm sort of saying, well, how can we do that more consciously? And how can we um, understand what comes up in the mirror? Because people have, you know, all sorts of emotions that come up when they look at themselves in the mirror, especially coming from my industry, which is very um, focused on the way people look and their appearance more than perhaps what they're, who they're being. Um, because that's how that need for status is almost met. You know, the, the sort of implicit message being, you know, if you look a certain way, you'll be on this billboard and you'll be in a reality TV show and you'll be paid lots of money. This is the sort of underlying message. Yes, but, but you're, you're sort of not allowed to have a bad hair day, basically. You're not allowed to have a bad hair day. <laughs> and especially with social media and it's sort of promoting the edited highlights of someone's life. Yeah. Um, and everyone's one filter away from looking fabulous which is yes. not reality. Yes. So, um, you know, I'm talking about how can we be more conscious with what our beauty ritual involves, you know, and, and the dialogue we might have with ourselves um, to make it more of a positive intention to it rather than just all about, well, I have to look a certain way in order to feel a value. Yes. In, in that and of, co- of course, the, the physical, uh, the look is so important. Going back to our essential needs, the need to f- be connected to be included in the group goes right back to you know when we were sort of tribes on the savannah mm. and we had we had to be part of a community to survive so although these days it seems a bit vain to be worried about how you look there is a, a very very basic human need there to be accepted definitely, definitely and i think that you know i you know i believe in i've worked in the beauty industry for a long time i think i've seen the positive benefits it can have with people but it's like anything it's a balance and if that becomes the defining way 
Yes. We get a sense of belonging or a sense of connection, a sense of status to feel significant, then it can be out of balance. And, and you know, especially in an industry where status is quite a big thing, then that can almost compromise the, the need for belonging and intimacy. If you have to feel that important to feel a sense of connection with someone, that can be a block. You have to look a certain way to connect, yeah. and that can yes. be a block. So yes. it's like everything, it's that balance. Um, and yes, definitely you know, take care of the outside, but also unless we're paying the same attention to the emotion or emotional well-being, then it's going to be hard to strike a balance. Absolutely. And that actually answers the next question, which is many use makeup to increase self-confidence. But what are your thoughts about that? What's what's going on on the inside? So, of course, you've, you've really spoken yeah. about that. And I think it's the other interesting thing is... Um, what were we saying? We were saying recently, who was that wonderful um, Pat? Uh, she talks about different characters. Pat Williams. Pat, Pat Williams, yes, yeah, who does the storytelling course. Yes, yes, that's right. And calling upon different characters within us when we need them. And I think that almost, you know, people can use makeup to create an identity and call upon those different characters. It's like putting a different hat on, isn't yeah, it? Yes. It's cool, yes. I think, is yes. how I would see it, you know. Yes. And I think as long as it's not overtaking and you're using it to hide behind because you don't feel valuable enough without it or with less on or whatever it is, then, um, then it's, and it's all good, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So being confident is very powerful and attractive trait. Many of us look at influential people who are leaders mm. and would probably describe them as confident. So that again, you, you know, we're sort of, we're meshing all these questions together here in this discussion, but that, that sort of question of um, how do we build that confidence and feel good about ourselves? We've, I think we've, we've kind of covered that, but I'll go on to the next question, which is um, we know that self-care can improve our health and well-being and wellness, mm. but it can also seem like a daunting task when you've got a lot on your plate. So how, well, how do you find time to self-care and, and do you mm. have a ritual yourself and, how, how do you know what works best for you? So I think this question is asking you, Lee, personally, so what, what do you do? Um, but also broadening it out to how, you know, how can we work that out and fit it into our busy lives? You see, I'm a big believer in making self-care um, work for you and breaking it down into sort of bite-sized or pockets of time in the day, I would say. And I think that, you know, when we understand what our emotional needs are, it's a huge breakthrough for people. And I think because in the public, it's so common to know what physical needs are, but to really understand what emotional needs are and how we can meet them easily and effectively. So for me, you know, it's a balancing act. And some days I might be a bit off, but it's, it's being able for me to tune in to how my body feels. If my stomach is churning and I know that I'm at full capacity because I'm either taking on too much, I'm not giving my brain literally time to log off and and process what I've learned, I can become overwhelmed. But you see, had I, before I did HG, for example, I didn't know that. So I spent a lot of my time in this sort of whirlwind, feeling overwhelmed. Yes, but not understanding it and, and not knowing what to do why. about it. Yes. And, you know, I think that a bit of sort of education and understanding that and then, you know, breaking off when you're um, feeling that sense of slight overwhelm during the day, taking the time to understand what a 7-Eleven breathing is 
And if you feel that sense of overwhelm, you feel that sense of agitation, being able to activate the relaxation response. Um, it's making time to connect with, with friends, um, you know, and being proactive with that. Because I think with technology, we're connected in a very yes. big way, but not connecting necessarily from a human perspective, which is causing a lot of issues. Um, and it's interesting because I do a lot on social media, seeing how this message is starting to filter through because there's so much more awareness now. And especially I think we'll find in 2019, it's going to be the year where people speak a lot about mental health and emotional well-being, yes, in, especially in my industry as well. It's definitely finding its voice, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. It's, it's fantastic because the more the general public have access to this kind of content, the more everyone will be able to apply it to their own life. So with self-care, it's really, what is it, what is it that I want to feel? You know, and, and we're talking about sort of sense of connection is such a huge one. Or if it's a sense of you feel out of control in your life, what are yes. the small moves you can take that will bring more control into your life or that sense of more control? Um, you know, and I think it's just working that out to be able to implement these small pockets of time in order to generate that emotion and to um, meet those needs in a, in, a, in a sort of sustainable way. Absolutely. I think if I, to within my own life, uh, what I, I'm just thinking about this as you speak, what I would call my self-care is uh, um, to find that time, you know, first thing in the morning, either go for a walk or maybe do some yoga or some sort of exercise. Mm. And what, apart from just be, being physically fitter because of it, it gives me that time to put things into perspective, to um, work out what the day has. You know, I usually do this first thing in the morning. So I've got that time to just work out what's in store, what the priorities are, um, when I'm going to have some breaks, when I'm going to see some people. And also I think another of essential emotional needs is that privacy. And just so just having that time actually on my own with that bit of space for mm. me mm. um that's one of one of my key emotional needs with you know they're all vital but mm. i think for each of us there can be some that are more important than others um, yeah and i think it's that what you're you know that sort of setting a sort of focus of intention for the day a plan for the day um yes. and you know our, our brain's amazing isn't it the way we're programmed we'll, we'll set a focus on something and look to complete it in the environment so, yes. you know, we, we sort of plan the day out and then it becomes a lot clearer in how we're going, our day is going to unfold. Um, Absolutely. And we yes. often see that's how we complete things in the environment. It starts off as a, a sort of, you know, a thought process, doesn't it? Um, yes. So I yes. think that that's, yeah. you know, a great way of um, also feeling a sense of more control. And control. Absolutely. Safety. And the day is mapped out. Yes. You know, we know where we're yes. going, where we're headed. Yes. And how to factor in those pockets of time. Yes. And then somehow or other, because we've focused our brain on that, even when other things interfere or crop up, you've mm. still got that sort of overall brain I don't know, just Personally, yeah. I tend to feel less overwhelmed if I've got that overall plan still there. Yeah, even definitely. If, even when it changes shape quite significantly. Yeah, but it's like, a, you know, there's a framework to come back to. And I think that that is, you know, um, can help sort of, you know keep the day day uh, structured if you like yes absolutely uh, just moving on to the next question um 
someone has seen one of your social media articles so talking about the social media presence that you mentioned mm. and this is particularly about barbers being given mental health training in a bid mm. to reduce male suicide mm. so can you tell us perhaps you how you might approach the subject with someone who's obviously not a psychotherapy client but is a makeup a, a, a makeover client Mm. How 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 do you listen? What things do you look out for? Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's a really interesting um, thing, actually. I've noticed that when we've also done makeovers in, in the sort of different charitable sectors we've worked in, when we are meeting the need for attention, the meeting the need for connection and to degree status, because someone's got our focus, attention, and the power of touch, people yeah. seem to open up is interesting and they'll start to talk and it's really for me and I think that when they're talking about training barbers it's listening out for key bits of information if someone is talking about um, something they're going through that's significantly challenging for them maybe they're not sleeping properly maybe they're going through a breakup maybe they use words like I'm feeling overwhelmed um, or they're not eating properly um, these little signposts can then alert me to maybe ask a sort of open-ended question about that. Maybe if they're, um, are they, do they have support? Are they connecting with friends? Are they still doing things they used to enjoy? You know, it, it's that sort of when you notice people withdrawing from the activities they used to enjoy, for example, would be another signpost saying that something's maybe not right here. Yes. So I think it's really, it's quite a clever idea, I think, because people do, open up in these sort of environments where they, they, they're getting a sort of makeover. And I think it's a great opportunity to be able to um, understand and listen to someone, understand from a barber's point of view how they would actually listen to a person um, and reflect back perhaps some of the content of what the person has said. So it you know, completes that sort of emotional arousal, if you like. Yes. Um, so I think it's definitely... Prob probably without... You know, because you can't actually turn it into a therapy session. No, absolutely. Uh, there, there must be, it must have to be quite subtle so that the Definitely. person feels listened to. And of course, there's that exchange of attention, which is so important. And the, as you say, touch. But they don't feel they're then being, having that solved for them. Totally. And I think this is the, I mean, it's almost like when someone comes to a therapy session, they've made the call. They yes. often feel better because they've taken that action. And what often happens in certainly the makeovers I have witnessed in, in the sort of sectors we've worked in, when someone has the opportunity to talk to, in a non-judgmental environment, because it's almost like they don't know the person that well. It's the sort of yeah. classic speaking to the stranger almost. Yes. And, they, and they get out this sort of emotion. They emote for a bit. Yes. Um, and the person is receptive and they listen and they're not trying to solve it. Then a lot can, that can be helpful in and of itself, really. Yes, absolutely. And there's that classic thing of, you know, when we're walking or driving, we find it easy to talk because yes. we're not actually looking at each other. It's sort of, context. Uh, yeah. yes. And the mirror, I always think the, the mirror in a barber's shop or a, a mm. hairdresser's shop is, is, is mm. that sort of slight disconnect, that uh, yes. association, which yeah, makes absolutely. it easier to talk. So it's a, it's a very important place for people to, to go in order to feel better so that you know it's yet again another aspect of healthcare, isn't it yeah of, of self-care sorry yes. and it's interesting when we were um some of the events we put together in the different vulnerable sectors it's interesting because we might have done you know a manicure on someone who's gone through 
domestic abuse and they've gone out and bought themselves a nail polish. And you may think, well, that's pretty insignificant, but it was a very small step in believing or building, starting to build self-esteem, starting to build a sense of value in themselves. Yeah. They then went out and sort of took an action to better themselves or to get out of the situation they're in. Or, and it could, it could actually just be that they've been able to make that choice because yes. perhaps the abuse yeah. took the form of not allowing them to the control to, to, yes yes yeah absolutely so. and it's these very small um actions that of course you know build up over time um so i think it's it's a it's an interesting you know beauty and it's, it's sort of often traditionally been thought of as being skin deep but my experience of it is it, it can go a lot deeper when you understand someone's emotional needs and can bring it in to um into different communities and different ways of of uh, giving a makeover to someone that can really help in the long run yes. yes something lee that you mentioned um when we had a chat before was which i i had never thought of before was uh women during the war wearing such bright lipstick and that being yeah. a sort of yeah yeah a badge yeah. of bravery or making yourself feel yeah. braver or yeah we were talking about when we the, the question earlier actually someone spoke about you know how can we use makeup to increase confidence yes um and i think that is that it's that's that calling on those different characters within ourselves because something like a red lipstick is significant with starlets and, and sort of world war ii and however disastrous things appeared at the time women would still wear um a lipstick and it's that sort of significance that's symbolic of bravery and courage or um, being seductive or desirable or whatever, it, you know, whatever mm. context you see it in. So I think, um, you know, it's the association we have with something that will give it a certain um, significance to us, you know? Yes. yes. So I think, you know, I've certainly seen, you know, red lipstick used in many different ways. And when we've used it, funnily enough, in the different vulnerable sectors, because it, it will sort of give someone a new visual reference point of themselves when they look in the mirror. It's really quite interesting seeing their reaction, because I think it's, it's never about the makeup, but the emotion we get as a consequence of wearing it, you know, that is um, so interesting. Yes, absolutely. Um, a question which, we, which we've probably mostly covered, but I, because someone has asked it, I will just... Uh, get it out there and I think it's very important um this person has a friend who she says always looks perfect mm. flawless lovely clothes makeup nails mm. um and recently she told the questioner that she's suffering from depression mm. Mm. and the questioner felt ashamed to not have spotted the signs now we've we've really covered that in a sense but um I think that can be, you know, as you said earlier on, it's that mask that 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 can compensate for what's going on inside. And it is that sort of sense of that, that sort of security of that ritual of creating that look every day that then you go out and it's that sort of control element again when everything else seems out of control. And it's interesting because I've sort of spoken to people, you know, who've been uh, doing an interview with a journalist and she'd been through this um, grieving process with her father. And she would say, I don't understand why I got up every morning and I put my makeup on. And it's that security almost, this is what I'm going to do now, and be able to plan it and put on this face to be able to... It was interesting, the reframe I used with her was to sort of 
show up at um, his memorial service in order to honor him in the best way she could and be able to sort of say, you know, a few words about him. And for her, it just gave her this sense of, of control over the way she looked, even if everything else felt out of control. Yes. Um, so I think, you know, some people will use that as a way of, of trying to sort of maintain some sort of order almost. Um, and it can be difficult to spot those signs. But it's like, you know, when we were talking about the barber just there, listening out for those different um, cues, if you like, yes. or if your friend appears that way, but you notice she's not showing up for social functions anymore, or she's not contactable, or something has changed in the way you communicate with each other. Um, but I think the, this is where these podcasts are great because people, more people will know what to look out for. Yes, of course, other. yes. And also the, the other sort of flip side of that that I was thinking was don't assume someone's okay just because they're totally. looking great. You know, sometimes at a funeral you you might think well crikey she's found time to get her hair done and everything she can't yeah. have been weeping and wailing that much yeah. but actually it's that very act that has helped her to get mm. Mm. Get, to get out the door to, to get out the door exactly yeah. yes, yeah, absolutely. yes so it's, it's very important stuff um yeah. a slight change of tack here but um obviously it's all on the same theme when does having a bad day or mm. having a bad week Mm. or a spell of time turn into having mental health problems when, when should should we actually go ah something's wrong here because obviously we can all have a bad day totally, and all have yeah. a, a bad phase yeah i think you know it's a classic when you know we find that um our sleep's very interrupted we're not eating we're just feeling an absolute sense of overwhelm um withdrawing from activities we usually enjoy um you know it's 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 trusting your instinct in that when things just don't feel um, right and you're not able to cope in the way that you did, then I think, you know, and I think, you know, I sort of use this sort of time frame of a couple of weeks, you know, if, if someone is really feeling um, totally overwhelmed, not sleeping, ruminating, um, just churning over things, not speaking to any, anybody about anything, uh, then I think it's time to sort of go and, and, and speak to someone. Yes. Um, because I think that, you know, if you were feeling physically ill for a couple of weeks, you might go and ask your local GP for some help, you know, but it's, it's exactly. often to try and hide it because, um, you know, feel we're, we should be able to um, cope. But sometimes, you know, and, and remember that you know, there's, there's so much help available and so many great skills um, with effective therapists. Yes. And I, and I think that we, we shouldn't feel that going to see someone has somehow tipped you into a mental health problem. It's okay. going to see someone can prevent ongoing yes. mental health problems uh, or, or can just make you see where you can make some changes in order to feel better. Mm, so it can be it can be a simple thing as you say a bit like going for a checkup at the dentist or going mm. to the doctor because you've got a few a few worries about something yeah totally yeah 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 um another slight change of subject loneliness now that's been in the headlines a lot recently and yeah. can you maybe expand upon how self-care fits into mm. that emotional need to give and receive attention mm. and how yeah. that may might help someone who's experiencing loneliness loneliness yeah, I mean, it's an interesting loneliness and it's sort of, I think it's, um, it's such a big issue now. And again, with, you know, text's great, but not when we're not meeting up anymore. 
Um, and I think self-care is what I was saying earlier about being able to understand what our needs are. And if you understand the need for, to, to give and receive attention from, and, and to be actually with someone in person and how, if you're not getting that, what are the small actions you can take in order to, whether it's to join a, a community of, of like-minded people where you actually get human contact, where you can go and maybe contribute some of your time somewhere, um, which will get you out and connecting with other people and part of a community again. Um, because it's that sort of breakdown of families and, and communities that's causing a lot of the issue around loneliness. Um, and I think understanding that essential human need of to give and receive attention is a breakthrough for anyone experiencing loneliness in that they can understand that that is a must and think of small ways they can actually get back into the community. And the thing is with tech, it can, it, we have so many different communities on terms of online and finding places with the resources to find those places. It's then just taking the next step and actually going to um, a community and being part of yes. that, breaking because, it down into positive, achievable steps. Yes, because of course, social media in itself can leave you feeling very lonely. You know, you, as you said earlier, you're seeing people looking fantastic on their images and that can, that can lead to extreme loneliness. It's like loneliness. Having, um, a meal, but only having the starter. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You never there's, quite get the main course of dessert. There's still a hunger there. Yes, very yeah. nice. <laughs> so like that, yes. <laughs> well, Lee, that's all the questions we have time for today. But I, I, I just wanted to ask... Mm. Um, a bit more about your own life, you know, career, what's happening. You're, you said at the beginning you're still doing makeup, but mm. also mm. beginning to do therapy. What's, what's the sort of, well, what have you got in store? You see, in, my, in the beauty industry, which is a multi, multi-million pound industry, and the way I have seen things change, the landscape change over the past few years, is that more and more people are talking about well-being and what it takes to live a, a healthy life. And this goes back to, you know, if you look at it over a broader view than just my industry, to sustainability, environment, um, you know, even veganism, um, you know, people more interested in their well-being in general. Yeah. And so really what I'm looking to do is to take this, um, the, the human givens approach into the beauty industry and really weave it in with, you know, yes, makeup is great, but this is not about the makeup. This is about how we feel about ourselves and how we feel about ourselves is connected to our emotional well-being, our emotional needs. So really, I'm looking to lever off the platform I have in the beauty industry to spread awareness about this approach and how it can benefit people in their everyday life. Lovely. Um, That's great. So yes. it's really, you know, spreading, spreading the net far and wide and, and yes. in turn, uh, raise awareness for the approach and, and the, how effective your therapeutic treatment can be and how quick it can be in making some small adjustments to get people feeling better again. Yes. Um, so I think the more people that can understand this and the broader the, the net we send out and the better. So that's my, my sort of mission is to sort of be the ambassador really and to, um, and to spread the word on the platforms that I'm already known in. Fantastic. Which of course is what we, what we like to hear from all our experts on these podcasts is that they're taking the human givens ideas into their world, their particular mm. um, field of expertise. 
Mm. And, uh, that's fantastic. Yes. And and finally, uh, one more question for our listeners: what what would you, what's your number one top tip? There's about self care. My number one top tip would be about self care is to if you don't know what the emotional needs are, and you're not part of you know human givens therapist, then I would go to the website and can they download them? Yes, the absolutely. And that would be on the Human Givens Institute website, yes. which and is www.hgi.org.uk i'll say that again and when I, just before we stop yeah, yeah. yes go so on. i would say understand what your emotional needs are and how to factor them into your life and you know do a mental health check on yourself regularly and say you know where do i need to create more balance and remember you can't you can't serve people from an empty cup you know you need to look after yourself first in order to be able to contribute more to others. And um, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's really about, we look after, it's like the oxygen mask metaphor, isn't it? You put it yes. on yourself first and then you can contribute more to those who need it. Yes, yes. And I, think, I do think various um, companies over the decades have, have taken away from that, you know, the sort of the classic, because you deserve it, because you're worth it advertisements. Mm -hmm for um, uh, self-care products. And I think that slightly misses the point, doesn't it? It's not because you deserve it and you're worth it. It's because you'll be better able to help other people if you're feeling good within yourself. Absolutely. I mean, if we're exhausted and overwhelmed, you know, and you're, I mean, I've been a single mother for years and, you know, when I was exhausted and overwhelmed, I wasn't, oh, I couldn't parent as well. You know, so was, I had to sort of put myself first and say, well, I, mean, I need to, be at, at, um, at my best in order to be the best mum to my kids or to be the best provider or whatever it might be. Yes. So I think yes. that would be my top tip. Top tip. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And is there anything else you would like to say, Lee, to, to round it up? No, I think that's, um, I think we've covered everything. I think, I think we've, we've covered a wide range yeah. of, of subjects there. Thank you. Yeah, thank well, you. my thanks to everyone who's listening and to all those for taking the time to submit questions um, and of course, thank you, Lee, for taking the time to answer them. It's, it's been really useful information and advice. And it's very interesting and I feel sure helpful to all of us who, who are listening. So thank you, Lee. Thank you. Now, if you'd like to more, know more about the Human Givens approach to emotional health and clear thinking, we have a lot of free resources, as Lee's just mentioned. And the information is on our Human Givens web, website hgi.org.uk and the specific thing I think Lee was mentioning there was the emotional needs audit so the ENA and that's worth looking up you can actually just google emotional needs audit and it'll come up and if you're interested in exploring our training options both online and attended training days please visit our Human Givens College website which is www.humangivenscollege.com we do hope you've enjoyed our first Ask the Expert podcast. We have a wide range of topics being covered in our podcasts over this year. Um, the ones I can think of off the top of my head, children's mental health, postnatal depression, antidepressants, relationships, and lots more. So do listen in. And indeed, if you have a subject you'd like us to cover, please do get in touch. This podcast series is for you and we'd love to hear your thoughts. 
all our podcasts will be shared on our social media media accounts so make sure you like or follow us please now thanks for listening and we hope you have a good day bye for now yes makeup is great but this is not about the makeup this is about how we feel about ourselves and how we feel about ourselves is connected to our emotional well-being our emotional needs so really i'm looking to lead roth the platform i have in the beauty industry to spread awareness about this approach and how it can benefit people in their everyday life. Um, Lovely. That's great. So it's really, you know, spreading, spreading the net far and wide and and in turn uh, raise awareness for the approach and and how effective your therapeutic treatment can be and how quick it can be in making some small adjustments to get people feeling better again. Yes. Um, So I think the more people that can understand this and the broader the the net we send out and the better. So that's my my sort of mission is to sort of be the ambassador really and to um and to spread the word on the platforms that I'm already known in. Fantastic, which of course is what we what we like to hear from all our experts on these podcasts is that they're taking the human givens ideas into their world, their particular mm. um, field of expertise. Mm. And, uh, that's fantastic. Yes, and and finally. Uh, one more question for our listeners. What, what would you, what's your number one top tip is about self-care? My number one top tip would be about self-care is to, if you don't know what the emotional needs are and you're not part of, you know, human givens therapist, then I would go to the website and can they download them? Yes, the absolutely. And that would be on the Human Givens Institute website, yes. which and is www.hgi.org.uk I'll say that again when I, just before we stop yeah. yeah yes go on I would say understand what your emotional needs are and how to factor them into your life and you know do a mental health check on yourself regularly and say you know where do I need to create more balance and remember you can't you can't serve people from an empty cup you know you need to look after yourself first in order to be able to contribute more to others. And um, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's really about, we look after, it's like the oxygen mask metaphor, isn't it? You put it yes. on yourself first and then you can contribute more to those who need it. Yes, yes. And I, think, I do think various um, companies over the decades have, have taken away from that, you know, the sort of the classic, because you deserve it, because you're worth it advertisements. Mm-hmm for um, uh, self-care products. And I think that slightly misses the point, doesn't it? It's not because you deserve it and you're worth it. It's because you'll be better able to help other people if you're feeling good within yourself. Absolutely. I mean, if we're exhausted and overwhelmed, you know, and you're, I mean, I've been a single mother for years and, you know, when I was exhausted and overwhelmed, I wasn't, oh, I couldn't parent as well. You know, so I had to sort of put myself first and say, well, I need to, be at, at, um, at my best in order to be the best mum to my kids or to be the best provider or, or whatever it might be. Yes. So I think yes. that would be my top tip. Top tip. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And is there anything else you would like to say, Lee, to, to round it up? No, I think that's, um, I think we've covered everything. I think, I think we've, we've covered a wide range of, of subjects there. Thank you. Yeah, thank well, you. my thanks to everyone who's listening and to all those for taking the time to submit questions um, and of course, thank you, Lee, for taking the time to answer them. It's, it's been really useful information and advice. And it's very interesting and I feel sure helpful to all of us who, who are listening. So thank you, Lee. 
Thank you. Now, if you'd like to know more about the Human Givens approach to emotional health and clear thinking, we have a lot of free resources, as Lee's just mentioned, and the information is on our Human Givens website, hgi.org.uk. And the specific thing I think Lee was mentioning there was the emotional needs audit, so the ENA, and that's worth looking up. You can actually just Google emotional needs audit and it'll come up. And if you're interested in exploring our training options, both online and attended training days, please visit our Human Givens College website, which is www.humangivenscollege.com. We do hope you've enjoyed our first Ask the Expert podcast. We have a wide range of topics being covered in our podcasts over this year. Um, the ones I can think of off the top of my head, children's mental health, postnatal depression, antidepressants, relationships, and lots more. So do listen in. And indeed, if you have a subject you'd like us to cover, please do get in touch. This podcast series is for you, and we'd love to hear your thoughts. All our podcasts will be shared on our social media, media accounts, so make sure you like or follow us, please. Now, thanks for listening, and we hope you have a good day. Bye for now.